sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Welcome to Ignition. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to set your faith ablaze so that you might live the adventure that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Before we get into today's topic, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, or if you have ideas for future episodes, please contact us. The easiest way to do that is by email, and the address is ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, that's ignition at sfcatholic.org. I'm joined in studio today by Dr. Jason Heron. Hi, Jason. Hi, Chris. Good to have you here. Jason and I are going to be talking about, this is actually going to be part two of an episode that aired a few few weeks back um, on Catholic social teaching. So um, we're going to be rehashing really what we talked about. You, you can check the archives, um, Catholic social teaching with Dr. Jason Heron. Um, today's going to be, and we sort of got into what the principles are. Today's going to be, what does Catholic social teaching have to do with us as Americans? Would it be a fair mm-hmm. summary of where yeah. we're going? Sure. Uh, so Jason, why, why should people stay tuned? Why is this going to be like the most amazing discussion <laughs> they have ever heard in the history of not just Catholic radio, Radio, but radio, period. Right. right. Uh, it will be worth staying tuned in, chiefly because Chris will ask great questions. <laughs> no, no. Uh, <laughs> it's supposed to be all, the way. It's supposed to be all on your shoulders, not mine. Yeah. Well, I'm a, I'm a punter okay. by 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 nature. Very good. Uh, it's worth tuning in, I think, because um, you know it's it's common right now to bemoan all the polarization. Yeah. In our country. And um, so people who are concerned about that might want to explore um, other avenues of thinking about political life and social life. You mean what the church has to say might have some bearing on on politics and life together? Yes, this was a, a great revelation to me when I was coming up. All right. As a, as a young man. So stay tuned. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Religion and politics together in the same conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, if you've never listened to Ignition before, my name is Chris Bergwald. I am the director of adult discipleship and evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls, which is basically Eastern South Dakota. Uh, been in the role since 2002, been in the role as husband to Jermaine since 1999. She's from Ohio. I'm from Central Minnesota, but all five of our children are born and raised here in sunny Sioux Falls, or as a telemarketer said once, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Jason, who are you? Uh, I am married to Hannah. We've been married uh, since 2002, and we have six kids, uh, and I teach theology. One upper. One upper. One upper. I am a one upper. We actually only have five. The six ones. Are... No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we do have six. We do. Um, and you I teach, teach theology. theology. Sorry. Yeah, started Real. thinking about that sixth kid. Uh, we teach theology, or we, I teach <laughs> theology at um, Mount Marty College, uh, soon uh, to be Mount Marty University. Uh, okay. okay. Uh, this summer, Mount Marty University down in Yankton, South Dakota. Excellent. And why am I having you on the show to talk about this? Uh, I. <laughs> That's a good question. I've been wondering that myself. I'm just interested in things. No. <laughs> I, uh, I wrote my dissertation under the direction of Dr. Kelly Johnson at the University of Dayton and on, on Pope Leo XIII, who's kind of considered, not kind of, is considered the, the father of modern Catholic social teaching. And so um, my area of, my general area of expertise as a theologian is in moral theology or ethics, and my specific area within there within there is uh, Catholic social teaching and the virtue tradition. So, um, 
you're having me here to speak with you because uh, I have at least one piece of paper that says that I know a little bit about, about, <laughs> about this the, topic. About this topic. Excellent. At least a little bit. I Before um, Dr. Heron came in, um, I, I told him just because he was a little early and I had to record something else. So I said, just go and think. He said, I brought a book. <laughs> and I, Don't you know enough? He goes, uh, I, I got a little more to learn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, again, we, we, you and I already discussed um, basically what, 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 what Catholic social, te- social teaching is just in a general sense within 27 minutes, we sort of covered that mm. topic mm. and now we're moving on mm-hmm. to what, how, how, again, as we kind of talked about during the, the, the summary explanation a few minutes ago, what Catholic social teaching can bring, can offer to, um, American political and social life in 2021. And I, I, again, I, I dare say it actually has quite a bit to offer, but why don't you, yeah. What, what difference can um, our faith make specifically Catholic social teaching make to social and political life in the United States? Well, as we um, spoke about in the first episode on Catholic social teaching, uh, Catholic social teaching comes with four principles that it, kind of the foundation mm-hmm. of the entire tradition of the teaching. Uh, the four principles are the dignity of the human person, the priority of the common good, solidarity, and subsidiarity. And we don't need to go back into those, but um, it's important to note that when we're talking about those principles as foundations of something called Catholic social teaching, we're not talking about um, policy recommendations. Right. We're not talking about how to vote or what to vote for or how to write a law or what to put in that law. Right. In short, we're not talking about concrete determinations uh, that lawmakers and civic participants, leaders are are supposed to be doing. Uh, So regulations, laws, laws, that's not what we're talking about. Right. So sometimes there's a dismissive attitude about Catholic social teaching, um, probably from both the right and the left, among Catholics or, uh, just, or just generally? Maybe maybe among some Catholics. And okay. then in, to the extent that anyone else outside of the Catholic Church is paying attention to anything that the right. popes say right. about society, uh, there's sometimes a dismissive attitude suggesting that the popes are dabbling right. in things that they don't have any expertise right. in. Um, interestingly enough, the popes who write social encyclicals uh, are very explicit about their lack of expertise in say economics right. or social regulations or something, um, they speak as experts in humanity mm-hmm. rather than as experts in statecraft or legislation. And what Catholic social teaching provides us, I think, is a more precise and frankly more beautiful way of imagining the human person and the human person's relationship to others. And so it kind of provides a lens or even a style, um, a lens through which to look or a style of thought when we encounter the work of people in the civic, the political, the economic realm. So Catholic social teaching has a lot to say about our political life, our social life, our economic life, but not in a direct uh, concrete way, but rather in a way that shapes how we engage those realities. So the church recognizes the expertise of lawmakers and civic leaders and gives us a way of encountering the work that they do 
and um, you know, if you reach back to those four principles, criteria by which to judge uh, what those leaders and, and legislators are, are doing. Okay, go okay. ahead. <laughs> so you put your hand up. I, I, uh, so don't, don't let me completely derail the train of thought. I want to say, I want to, I want to test this to make sure, um, I'm tracking with you and, and hopefully the listeners then as well by, by using an example. Um, so I think this is a, a valid example, but you're the expert, so you correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so the four principles once more are the dignity of the human person, the priority of the common good, solidarity, and subsidiarity. So one of the um, one of the things that we drive from the principles is, for instance, that that's, there's a societal responsibility to care for the poor, mm-hmm. the homeless, the hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's the what the church says. Any any society, any society ought to do that. Take care of the poor, the needy, the downtrodden, and so on. How? Give a given society accomplishes that the church doesn't specify, right? So it could be it could be um, uh, a massive government program like the New Deal or the Great Society in our country. It could be something done primarily by a local government. It could be something primarily done by charities, nonprofits, churches, etc., or some combination thereof, right. which is the normal. Which is right, right, right. But is that, a, is that that's an example where the church would say you have to care society, you need to care for the poor, whatever society, not just the United States of America. Any society needs to care for the poor. The, so the Pope, if you will, says that the church says that how you do that, you figure out what works best given your cultural context and so on. I'm here. We're here to remind you, you need to take care of the poor. Right. There's a, there's a, uh a fundamental criterion there that w- whatever decision you're making, whatever action you're taking, whatever law you're writing, if it's going to adversely affect the weakest and the most vulnerable, then you've got more work to do. Right. Right. It's a, it's a, I mean, it's maybe a little too uh, loose to say Catholic social teaching gives us a style, but it gives us a, a criteria, cri- a, a set of criteria by which to judge the work okay. that's always going on. Because right. you're right, there's the poor will always be with us, right? There's there's never going to be a time when this is not the vocation of society, right? To protect the weakest and most vulnerable, right? But how it happens can't possibly remain the same, right? I mean, protecting the weak and the vulnerable 500 years ago, that method will not work today, right? And so the church, in her wisdom, would never say, "Ah, here we found it. This is the method we will all use everywhere in every circumstance to accomplish this good goal," right? Never, right. but. She will call to account um, those who seem to be in this time and in this place failing to to uh, live up to that vocation. Okay, to care for the vulnerable in this case. So I, I want to briefly my dip dip my toe in a pool that we're really not going to be swimming in, but I think it's a it's a pool where a lot of people are. Okay, I can maybe mix my metaphors. A lot of people are thinking of okay, but what about? So I just want to acknowledge mm-hmm. and deal mm-hmm. with the question, and then kind of come back to the, the 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 track you were going down. So I told you, dear listeners, that this episode would be worthwhile because Chris would ask great questions. Well, oh, great! Yes. So, so some I people, called it. Some people are saying, but. Dr. Heron, the church says that torture should be illegal and always wrong. The church says that abortion should be illegal and always wrong. I thought you just said the church isn't interested in the how, 
like specifying uh, regulations and laws and so on. And yet the church is always saying that abortion should be illegal, that torture should be illegal. What, uh, how, how are you not speaking out of both sides of your mouth, Pope? <laughs> this is the first time anyone ever has ever looked at me and said, Pope, Pope, <laughs> uh, and probably the last. Uh, yeah, that's a great question. Um, so we could, we could answer that. Uh, in a couple of different ways. The first would be to say that um, the church, while she will not make concrete particular recommendations about how a law should be written or mm -hmm. whatever, I'm not a lawyer or a politician, uh, she will not make those concrete rep recommendations. Nevertheless, if she sees an unjust law, it has to be called an unjust law. Right. Um, and in fact, an unjust law is no, no law, law at all. all. So, right. Martin Luther King knew this. Thomas Aquinas knew this. St. St. Augustine knew this. Um, and this is not a way of telling, um, a society how it ought to conduct itself in a particular moment of legislation or civic sure. regulation, but is instead, uh, um, uh, a reasonable and even some, in some cases prophetic moment where the church says, uh, this is evil. This is bad for society. We're not going to tell you how to fix it exactly. I mean, there is no, the, there's no like uh, appendix to Evangelium Vitae that says, and here's a new way to legislate against abortion. That, That's St. John Paul II's um, encyclical, The Gospel of Life. There's no such appendix in right, Evangelium he, Vitae that says that. But he will staunchly defend, you know, the first principle of Catholic social, te social teaching, the dignity of the human person. So the violation of one of those principles calls for uh, a prophetic witness against that violation. Uh, and calling someone out on the thing that they're doing to destroy someone else's life, whether it's torture or abortion, um, is not the same thing as giving them particular instructions on how to conduct right. themselves in the civil or political Great. Uh, realm. So if there, if, if there's a, a societal course of action, like a law that, um, a civil law, that makes it legal to do something which directly, directly atta it, it attacks the dignity of the human person. The church is going to say that's a bad law. In fact, right. it's no law at all. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. So um, we're done with that pool. We're going back to the other pool. Uh, so, so we're we're going down to. So again, we're looking at what difference does Catholic social teaching make in the United States of America in 2020 and looking at how it's a style and so on. If you're just tuning in and you're listening to Ignition, um, we are here to bring your faith ablaze. I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald. I'm Jason here. Sorry. 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 And and again, we're, we're talking about Catholic social teaching in the American context. So let me, I derailed you. We went down a spur for a bit and now we're back on track. Sure. Sure. So we were, we were addressing, you know, what, what could Catholic social teaching bring to an, an American Catholic's life yep. in the current situation. Yep. Uh, I've used the word style already. I'm a little nervous about using that word. Uh, <laughs> Let it lens, go. Right, right. A lens through which to view uh, our situation and a set of criteria by which to judge uh, what's happening. And, um, you know, 
Chris, you you did something real sophisticated by bringing up abortion and torture. Uh, so Catholic social teaching gives us the ability, or maybe it doesn't give us the ability, but prompts us uh, to take more seriously uh, the scope of the gospel message, mm. that it doesn't apply simply to a favorite issue or an issue that you think or that we might think is the most important, but it rather it applies to all areas of life. Uh, neither does it only apply to my the only only the uh, status of my soul before my creator, okay. but it applies to the way I live my life every single day with in every single relationship. So, so you're saying here that when we take our, our faith seriously in its full and its entirety, it has a much greater depth and breadth in terms of how it affects my life than maybe we, we, we typically think. Yes. I think that, um, it would be easy to, uh, consider Catholic social teaching as kind of a sidecar for those Catholics who are just into <laughs> that kind of thing. Right. Uh, but we're cautioned uh, by the magisterium itself uh, to take Catholic social teaching more seriously as an expression of the gospel, mm. uh, determination of the the gospel in social and political and economic life. And this is, of course, completely appropriate for people who believe that God became flesh. The gospel ought to have something to do with our flesh, and our flesh is always alive in a time and a place in social relationships, economic relationships, political relationships. So the Catholic social teaching is an expression of the church's conviction that the incarnation, death, and resurrection and ascension of, of Christ means something for the cosmos and, you know, society is a part of that. As opposed to pie in the sky when you die, right? So sure. the, the charge made... Um, by intellectuals for the last, frankly, several centuries, going back to what's called the Enlightenment, has been that Christianity is just concerned, because the focus is on heaven, you're not paying attention to the poor mm -hmm. that are in our midst. Mm -hmm. And the church says very, very, very clearly, and in very technical language, Anna, that's not the case. <laughs> Anna, Anna. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting uh, critique to bring up, because it's wrapped up in kind of the origin of social teaching. Prior to the 19th century, mid 19th century, so the 18, so let's just say 1850. So like 1848, like if you our, know what our, I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, I was going to say for American context, prior to the Civil War. Sure. Um, it would have been more common, and of course it still happens today, but it would have been more common to see someone who's. Uh, suffering crushing poverty and just sort of like white knuckling it through life yep to just say look on the other side of this yep after this veil of tears heaven it's going to be great yep it's all going to be okay and while that is true um we notice over time that only people who aren't suffering uh tend to say that to people who are suffering. <laughs> yes. They're just like, it's going to be okay. Just trust me. Um, and in the 19th century, the, the issue of poverty and the suffering of the laboring poor, not just 
right. the unemployed part, but people who are working <clears throat> 1 million hours a day yep. and still can't make it, that just became such a pressing problem and such a public problem that um, there was, we talked about this in the previous episode, I believe, but there was a real concerted effort on the part of lay and clerical Catholics to to address that more directly mm-hmm. and in a way that wasn't just, as you said, pie in the, what'd you, how did you pie say? Pie in the sky when you die. Pie in the sky when you die, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we, we saw the gradual disappearance of that. Of course, there's no encyclical that uses that phrase. Right. It would be wonderful if you knew it in Latin. Uh, <laughs> pie in the sky when I'll you die. I'll work on that. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, in your free time. Um, there was no point where the magisterium was that crass in its address of, <laughs> of the poor. However, there was just kind of this spirit, like, well, we give you charity and you'll wait and then right. there'll be heaven. And after the, the violence and the tumult and the suffering of the 19th century, it became clear for the church, but also for society. I mean, society was doing that too, I think, in Europe. It wasn't just Catholics. Um, that the the suffering of the poor, uh, the alleviation of the suffering of the poor, is not something that's left to heaven. Uh, right. And in fact, what you could say is, we recovered Matthew 25. Oh. Right. The so Lord, for those... <laughs> the Lord did not say, uh, those of you who patted poor suffering people on the back and told them to be patient, go to my right. You know, he said, those of you who give drink to the thirsty, yep. give food to the hungry, give clothing to the naked, visit the imprisoned and the sick, you go to my right. So um, the counsel to, to charity and to taking care of the impoverished by telling them uh, to be patient, uh, the disappearance of that and the recovery of, of a real robust approach to uh, ministry to those who are suffering in, in the spirit of Matthew 25. Um, that's right there at the heart of the beginning of Catholic social teaching. Okay, great. Um, we've got about five minutes left. I will tell you, I did um, um, check here, uh, Google Translate for pie in the sky when you die, but I really don't think it's right, so I'm not going to okay. read it. So, okay. so I, I don't have the Latin. Okay. So, okay, so just in the five minutes we have left then, what what is let's put a little more flesh on the bones in terms of what this means, what this looks like. And maybe, maybe if you want to, I'll propose this to you. What would it look like in 2020? Um, if we not, not instantaneously, you woke up tomorrow and we were all living Catholic social teaching, but, but what, how, how would it be different maybe from, from where we're at now? What difference would it make if we increasingly, at least as Catholics embodied Catholic social teaching? I think it would have an enormous impact on the two-party system. Okay. I think that the uh, the far right and the far left of the the political spectrum in the United States would seem more monstrous to us. Okay. Uh, and when I say that, I don't mean that it would make us all moderates. What I mean is I think we would start to distance ourselves from the spectrum. So if you think of the spectrum like as a, a line, yep. a linear line, we would kind of get off of the line. Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. And 
rise above it or yep. move Transcend away from it. it. Yep, yep. And start to see the profound similarities between the far poles. Sure. There's a kind of an anti-liberty uh, on the right and on the left. Yep. Such that the spectrum might be a circle. Right. Um, and the the four principles of Catholic social teaching, the tradition of Catholic social teaching, and what the church asks us to take the most seriously in our political and social and economic life would make it such that a Catholic would not feel at home in either party. That's mm. my honest opinion. I, yep. That's how I feel now. I don't, th- I don't feel that either party speaks reasonably about what I believe. So, uh, and to be fair, I, I, be, again, going back to what you said before, um, because there'd be more than one way to uh, instantiate, bring the, bring the principles to life within law and regulation, it'd be possible to have two authentically Catholic um, perspectives on one matter of public policy, right? I mean, you could have... Um, uh, you, okay, so let's go back to the, the example I used at the beginning. We're, we're trying to alleviate poverty. Mm. Good Catholics could arrive at differing conclusions about how we are through public policy going to address and alleviate poverty. Right. Sure. So th- there, there's, there could never, I mean, you, you could, have, you could feel more at home in one of the parties. Um, and yet somebody could always be just as at home in a different party, as long as it authentically embodied the four principles of Catholic social teaching. Right. Right. And I think what we would, when you're talking about what difference would this make right now in 2020, right. I, I think we would see that neither party is embodies yes. the four principles. Right. They right. throw somebody under the bus. Right. Um, and that while, while it's a, um, maybe a cause for despair, like there's a lot of people who are despair, uh, despairing about the, the polarization in the United States. Right. It's also just an opportunity to see that what we've been handed to us is not the complete story of of political and social reality, that there are other ways of organizing life and that they are possible for us. Um, that to me is, is a note of hope. Uh, Catholic social teaching always fills me with hope mm. um, when I study it and when I use it to think about the situations that we face. Because you're right, I don't think that... It, I think it provides us with a, a more creative way of approaching these things that we have to do, these necessities that we have to take care of. So in the, in the like just over half a minute we have left, Jason, so somebody's listening to this who's not a politician, not a civic servant, civil servant in any way. What do I do with this? I, I'm with you on everything, but what do I do as Joe or Jane Catholic here in the upper Midwest? Um, start to have more reasonable, peaceful, charitable conversations with the people that we live with. Because, yeah, you're not a politician. Yeah, you're not a civil servant. But you are a member of the polity. And Mm. the way we have conversations with Mm. our neighbors matters. So we're going to have, I'm going to bring you back again to talk about, uh, not next week, but more about what this looks like in our country. But for now, thanks for this, Jason. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chris. And that will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, you can email us at ignition at sfcatholic.org with any thoughts, questions, or ideas for future episodes. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.